You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Carry Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is the preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. We are continuing with the excellence culture and on the things you do to exercise your spirit to live the excellent life, the excellent spirit, the excellent culture. And it is very important for us to know that this is how Christ would love that we live with one another as Brethren in the fellowship. And so we are looking at the church, which is the last of the four. I said number one, the word, number two, prayer, number three, fasting, and then number four, the church, that is the fellowship of the brethren. And so we are on part four of the fellowship of the brethren. Well, I want to just recap what we learned last week. And then we're going to get into today's business. So, let's take the recap of the church or the fellowship of the brethren, part three. Alright, so what I normally do is that I'll give the text and then I'll just summarize what the text teaches us. Second Corinthians chapter 8, 13-15 teaches us that equality there should be equality in liberal sharing. Second Corinthians eight thirteen to fifteen. There should be equality in liberal sharing. In other words, when you have abundance, you give out, and when you also lack, the one who has abundance also gives to you. So we all become equal in liberal sharing. Second Corinthians nine thirteen to fifteen speaks to the fact that liberal sharing is the proof of our ministry causing men to pray and thank God for our obedience to the gospel and to our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. 2 Corinthians 9.13-15 speaks to the fact that liberal sharing is the proof of our ministry causing men to pray and thank God for our obedience to the gospel and to our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, when you give liberally to people, it shows the proof of your faith before men. Before God, you're already justified. But men see your works and then they give glory to God. So, Apostle Paul says, anytime they give to people, it becomes the proof of their ministry and people thank God for the obedience to the gospel and they say thank you to the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the one giving for us to have this fellowship. Hebrews chapter 2, 10 to 11 speaks to the fact that Jesus suffered to bring us salvation, bringing us into fellowship with the Father. And he is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. 
Jesus suffered to bring us salvation. Bringing us into fellowship with the Father. And he is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. Acts 9, 10-17. Acts 9, 10-17. This is where it talks about Ananias after Saul had encountered Christ. The Lord beckoned Ananias to go and see to Saul. And he spoke about all the terrible things that Saul was doing to the church. But the Lord told Ananias that he had chosen Paul as Saul. And and he should therefore go and see to him. And when he went, he actually instantly called him Brother Saul. Brother Saul. Because he had received Christ. Okay? So what did we learn? The negative past of a believer, no matter what, must not cast insinuation or doubt on their salvation and our family ties or bond. The negative past of a believer, no matter what, must not cast insinuation or doubt about their salvation and our family ties or bond or our fellowship in Christ. They must be readily accepted and treated as a brother or a sister. They must be readily accepted and treated as a brother or a sister in the Lord. Second Peter one five to nine. Second Peter one five to nine. It teaches us that Godliness without brotherly kindness in love is of no use. Godliness without brotherly kindness in love is of no use. And this particular text is so practical that we have to just take note of this. Because if you have diligence, faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, which leads to godliness, but you don't have brotherly kindness and love, it says it doesn't make sense and you lack, um, you, you are short-sighted and you are very blind uh, and you're forgotten that you have been cleansed from your old sins. And so it's crucial that we understand this. You remember the young lawyer, the young rich lawyer who came to Jesus and asked what he would have to do to have eternal life. And Jesus told him, well, go and do this. And he, he spoke about the law. And, and, and the young man proudly said, well, I've obeyed all of those. And Jesus just simply told him, go sell your stuff and give it to the poor. And the Bible said he left very sad. So this guy had godliness, but he didn't understand what brotherly kindness and love is. And it was of no use. Okay. And so many of us, the Good Samaritan story also speaks to the same. And so no matter how godly you think you are, if it doesn't lead to brotherliness in the fellowship and showing kindness because love is God's nature, it's of no use. Second Corinthians 6, 14 to 15. Second Corinthians 6, 14 to 15. What does it teach us? 
You cannot have an intimate, confidential relationship with an unbeliever. You cannot have an intimate, confidential relationship with an unbeliever. Your family, your biological family, inclusive. So if your biological family are unbelievers, you can have an intimate, confidential fellowship or relationship with them. Why? Because an unbeliever cannot contribute to your walk with God. An unbeliever cannot contribute to your walk with God. If they have to give you a counsel, they will give you a counsel regarding secular wisdom and the wisdom of the world, the popular. You know. And if there are certain things God tells you to do or the Holy Spirit leads you to do, and you even tell them, they will discourage you and they will tell you you are a fool. Because they don't understand where you are operating from. Okay, so it's very key that you take note of that and make sure that you fill that gap with brothers and sisters in the Lord whilst you relate to your biological family and pray for them and relate to them in a way to show good examples of your Christian faith that would win them over to the Lord Jesus. Praise God. James 2, 1 to 13. James 2, 1 to 13 says, teaches us that we should speak and so do with ourselves as those who will be judged by the law of liberty, treating the poor and the rich with equality. Let us speak and so do with ourselves as those who will be judged by the law of liberty, treating the poor and the rich alike with equality with equality and the last scripture for the part 3 Philemon 1 4 to 6 Philemon 1 4 to 6 will teach us to share our faith by acknowledging every good thing which is in us which is in Christ Jesus let us share our faith by acknowledging every good thing which is in us in Christ Jesus. Can we pray? Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for once again this opportunity to share your word. Thank you for the word of your grace that your word will be divided accurately without controversies contradictions and the errors. We decree in the name of Jesus that a transformed life is produced out of this. I decree in the name of Jesus that as we see ourselves in you, may you be glorified and we be edified. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So the church Four, Philippians 2, 1 to 4. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Philippians 2, 1 to 4. Therefore, if any, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, kindly check the conditional clauses. If 
there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. And let each of you look out, not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Amazing. Amazing. And now, Apostle Paul is saying that if there is any consolation in Christ, if there is any comfort of love, if there is togetherness, there's commonness of one spirit, and affection and mercy, will be evident then there is something we should be doing we must have the same love with one accord one mind and we can only do that by not doing things out of selfish ambition or conceit but then we do that in lowliness of mind, esteeming each other better than himself. And looking out for each other's interest rather than ours. Wow. Now, can you believe this? And that's why I continue to say that if the church understands exactly what the church is, the world will be very peaceful. Because the world will learn from church. And that's exactly what Isaiah chapter 2 says. How the, the world will run to the church because the church is lifted up above the hill. And many will come to a land of its ways. It is because we have made the church what it is not. If everyone is esteeming their brother or their sister better than themselves, tell me where there will be jealousy. Tell me where there will be envy. Tell me where there will be fight. Tell me where there will be uh, uh, greed. No. If we are looking out for each other's interests rather than ours, tell me how we're going to fight each other, how we're going to divide each other, how we're going to stand against each other. May we find consolation in Christ and the comfort of His love. And the fellowship of the spirit with affection and mercy. Because we esteem one another better than ourselves.
When Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, he was not telling us that uh, do whatever you want to do and when you, you, you are left with the surplus, you give it to your neighbor. That's not the meaning. It was just the same saying as do to others what you want others to do to you. In other words, whatever good you're looking for, for others to do to you, go ahead first and do it to them. Or do it for them. And that's what Apostle Paul was, had rephrased and retreating in another way. That is the consolation in Christ. The life of the brethren, the life of the believer, is the life of giving. Check the fruit of the Spirit. It's the life that you offer yourself out. You offer yourself to people. You offer yourself to make others feel good. And that is what should make you feel good because that's what pleases your father. As a matter of fact, that is the example he set for us. And so if you look at Philippians, the next, what we just read is Philippians chapter 2, 1 to 4. If you look at the verse 5, it tells us exactly what he is telling us that Christ Jesus did that and he did that as an example. He said, this is what I'm telling you to do. How are you going to do that? That mind should be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What was the mind? What was the attitude in Christ Jesus? Who being in the form of God, did not consider it. Who being in the form of God, did not consider it. I won't add the rest. He, he did not consider it. In other words, he did not consider his identity. He left his identity. Came down as a man. Not the kings of men. He came down as a servant. Not just a servant, as a born servant. You understand that? A born servant is by choice. And it's also out of love. And it's also for life. And he died. Not just any death. No. He died. The criminal's death. When he had not sinned, he put your sin upon him. Not just the sin of the past. Not just the sin of the present. Not just the sin of the future. All of them together. That is the kind of bond we have. As brothers and sisters in the Lord. Look at something in Acts chapter 9 verse 5. I've looked at the scripture severally. But it jumped up to me in a new way. Because of what we're talking about. Acts 9, 5. The scripture speaks to when Saul encountered the Lord Jesus. And when he asked, who are you Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus. Whom? You are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. 
Wow. Did you just hear that? Now, Saul was killing believers. And believers were scattering and running away from him. But everywhere they went, they were still proclaiming the message, the good news. And in Jesus' intervention, Jesus speaks to Saul and says, Saul, if you persecute a believer, you are persecuting me. So, so Jesus is saying that me and the saint, me and the believer, we are inseparable. What you do to them, you are doing to me. Because we are one body. That's why Ephesians 5, verse 22 down to 32, talks about the mystery of the church. And he used marriage as an example, as an illustration. And says that, how can a man beat his wife, beat his own body? That's exactly what Jesus is saying here. That, and I'm sure that is where Paul caught that revelation. That if you beat a believer, you are beating Jesus. If you torture a believer, you are torturing Jesus. If you do something to the brother in the Lord, to the sister in the Lord, you are doing same to the Lord of the body. That's why we have to be careful how we treat one another. We have to be careful. If you look at Apostle Paul, anywhere there is division in the church, he really, really comes very harsh on them. Because it's against the very praxis on which the church was born and or instituted. Look at Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6, 9 to 10. And let us not get tired of doing what is right. For after a while, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. I like the term. That's why whenever we can, we should always be kind to everyone. So, as a believer, your nature is kindness because God is love and God is kind. So, you, you have to be kind to everyone. Whether they are believers or unbelievers, he says, be kind to everyone. But watch this. And especially to our Christian brothers. Preferably to our Christian brothers. So, if you have to do good or to show kindness, we are being admonished by Apostle Paul 
with regards to the letter he wrote to the Galatian church, that they should consider first the household of faith. The family with whom they share the same faith. If you have a contract, let it first go to the believer. If you have a business, let it first go to the believer. Listen, we don't understand some of these things. If we are teaching right, and we are teaching our people what exactly we we have to teach them to feed their spirit, and we know that what belongs to you also belongs to me, we would definitely make sure that we feed ourselves Because everything good must come to us as brothers and sisters in the faith. So that each one of us will now look to the agenda, which is the Christ agenda. Especially the household of faith. You know when when, when, when Apostle Paul admonished the Philippians, Bless the Philippian church and said, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Most of us pray that prayer and I don't know what your expectation is. You pray that prayer and you expect that an unbeliever will come and bless you. The inheritance in Christ Jesus is not with unbelievers. So Apostle Paul was actually saying... That the Lord, the glory and the riches of his inheritance, which is in the saints, will be invoked. So a saint will be blessed for that saint to bless you. And that is why we have to do good one to the other and make sure. That there's always abundance within the faith. So we can push the gospel because that is the agenda. Now, one thing you ought to know is that anytime you come to church, anytime we meet at the fellowship of the brethren, there is one paramount thing that must happen as we share with one another physical, material stuff, which is fantastic. We can only do these things the way we have to do them when that paramount thing has been well satisfied. What is that? The primary meeting is the teaching meeting. We meet as believers to share fellowship in the word, to be taught, and to, be, and to receive instructions. Can you believe that Jesus taught three times more than performing miracles? Yes. Jesus taught three Times more. And you could realize that he was mostly referred to as a rabbi. More than he was referred to as a prophet. Or a miracle worker. No. 
Because he was teaching. Matthew 28. Verse 18 to 19. This is where Christ officially sent the believers out. And so when he sent them out. We want to see what was the job description. What were they to go and do? Including you and I. Matthew 28, 18 to 19. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations go and make disciples of all the nations the word disciple there is the word mathetus mathetus in other words to be enrolled to train it's a word that is used in different disciplines For training, for disciples, students, apprentice of a master. So we came to church to learn of him, to be trained as a student of Christ, as an apprentice of Christ. And so when you came to church, you must come And submit yourself to be trained. Sometimes you think that the pastor would have to speak your language. In other words, it's not that literally your language. I mean, he has to speak something that you must agree with. And if you don't agree with him, then he is wrong. No. We come with all sorts of ideas to the church. That does not exercise our spirit. The superficialities of church has become too many. And it has actually clouded and drowned the very essence of church. You have to be trained like a student. So the moment you become a believer, you are being enrolled into training to becoming like Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 to 16, nails this clearly. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. The word pastors and teachers means pastors who are teachers. So it's a fourfold ministry. For the equipping of the saints. So you get it. For the equipping of the saints. So you come to the gathering of the brethren to be equipped. So the pastor, by teaching, by training you, equips you. What does he equip you for? He says, equipping the saints for the work of ministry. For the work of ministry. For the work of ministry. So, it is not my job to train you to become a doctor. 
It is not my job to train you to become a wealthy businessman. It is not my job to train you to become a pharmacist or an architect. No, that is not my job description. My job description is to equip you so that you effectively work the works of the ministry. That is what he called your pastor, your apostle, your evangelist, and your prophet to do, equip you for the work of ministry. So who does the work of ministry? Is it the pastor or you? And that's why most of us are not disciples. We are only members. So we just come to church, dress powerfully. As a matter of fact, when you meet the next person, the first thing they will talk about is the dress you're wearing. And ask you when you're getting the next contract for the job. And ask you whether you have some connection for them. It has nothing to do with the work of ministry. Everything we talk about are fanciful things and we share just jokes and comedies in church and we entertain ourselves and then go out and leave the work of ministry for the pastor and for a few people in the church. No, that is not it. You are meant to be equipped for the work of ministry. So you are the one who is working the ministry. And so when I teach you and you leave this place right now, you are going into your world and you want to make disciples for Christ Jesus. So you go out there, win a soul, bring them in, they are disciples, and all of us go ahead and do the work of the ministry. What does he do? He says, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The word edifying is the word to build up. To build up. It's the same word as edifice. So that the, the body of Christ is built up. Why is the body of Christ not built up? The way it must be built up. Because we are just sitting down as members, not disciples, not trainees, not apprentices. How come 12 people took over the world and now these 12 people have poured into several of us and yet we are sitting and we are not making the necessary impact. Till we all come to the unity of the faith. 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God. In church, we are meant to teach Christ. And we all come to the unity of the faith. One understanding of who he is. I'll come to that. Look at what he says. To a perfect man. The word perfect man there is the word complete man. Mature man. In other words, you, you study 
You study to show yourself approved, a workman, not ashamed. Dividing the word of truth with clarity, accurately. So that you are not tossed. Oh God, de yabahas. You come to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Why are people running around for prophecy? When the spirit of the Lord in them is relegated to the background, somebody has to speak to them. When the inward witness is right there inside. Because they don't have the knowledge of him. They are not being trained into that complete man. That mature man. Why are we always afraid Because we are not being trained. Now the church is full of motivational speeches. We are not taught Christ. So we become like him. When you feed the spirit of a man, their soul is satisfied. When you feed the soul of a man, their spirit is restless. There is something in a man that desires him because eternity is in the heart of man. And anytime you give man that, you give man Christ, and you speak Christ, and you teach Christ, man finds rest. They live in rest. And they're able to function at the optimum level. Teach a man about Christ. And if he is a farmer, he will be the best. Teach a man about Christ. If he's a doctor, he will be the best. Teach a man about about Christ. If he's a businessman, he will be the best. And he will show the example of Christ in every field of endeavor. You don't teach a man in church about agriculture and teach them about all sorts of things and live out exactly what makes them. And then Christ rather becomes our tool. Not the objective and not the goal. That's why many are being tossed. I mean, you hear a lot of these motivational speeches on our our platforms. And you think that you are in some university studying psychology or philosophy or uh, uh, um, entrepreneurship. That is not for church. 15. 
but speaking the truth in love. Oh, Jesus. But speaking the truth. Now, the word truth here is not like you saying what is true. No, that's not what it is. The word truth here is the same word used for doctrine. So you speak the doctrine of Christ in love. That's why he says, so that we may grow up in all things into him. Into him. So he's talking about the doctrine of Christ. Into him, who is the head, Christ. From whom the whole body joined and knit together. By what every joint supplies. This is the part that just freaks me out. By which every joint supplies. Every joint supplies. In other words, you and I, with Christ, are knitted together. And every joint must supply. That is why all of us need to be equipped to work. Because each one of us are a part of the body. And we are supplying the body. So if a brother is short of supply, it affects the body. For which I am part. If a brother goes down, I am going down. If a brother is going up, the body is going up. And that is why we must be each other's keeper. Because each one of us must supply. And therefore, if they are not supplying, I am losing out. I am not benefiting. That's why when I see them going down, I pray for them and I intercede for them. I stand and I make sure that my brother, my sister will stand because each is giving their share of supply. According to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. When all of us do what we need to do, it causes the body to grow, to be built up. It didn't say themselves, itself, because it's one body. In love. Praise God. Look at Second John. Second John 8 to 10. John explicitly opens us up to the kind of doctrine that must happen in church. Second John 1, 8 to 10. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Watch out. That you do not lose what we, so you, so the church is talking to. We, they who were the eyewitnesses and had done all the work, John and his, his, his colleagues. So watch out. So this is a caution 
to the church. That you do not lose what we have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent. So that you receive your full reward. You know Paul talks about how we must receive our reward. And we should build according to the pattern. So take heed how you build on the foundation who is Christ. So there is a foundation. And when the foundation is laid, you can build and build well if you don't build according to the pattern of the foundation. So you can have a foundation that is six bedroom house and then you come and build eight bedroom on that foundation. So he's talking to them, make sure you don't lose that. Be diligent, be consistent. Make sure that you are focused so that you can receive your full reward. What is he talking about? Anyone who wanders away from this teaching has no relationship with God. But anyone who remains in the teaching of Christ has a relationship with both the Father and the Son. The doctrine of Christ. The teaching of Christ. If anybody does not teach Christ, and their focus is not on teaching Christ, and their focus is on teaching the law, and their focus is is on teaching wealth creation, I mean, sometimes you hear certain things and you ask, what are we teaching? That anybody that follows the will of God must be rich. You can never, ever follow the will of God and cannot be rich. Who told you that? Who told you that? Where is the correlation between the will of God and being rich? We didn't see the pattern in Acts regarding the church or in the epistles. Those who were rich were rather giving their lands and selling them. We didn't hear anywhere that anybody received Christ and they became wealthy. So so where did you hear that? And who told you? Where did you pick that scripture from? So, so, so let's focus on teaching what Christ taught. With the eyewitness account of the disciples picked it up, taught the same thing. Apostle Paul picked it from them and from what the revelation Christ gave him and taught the same. They all followed the pattern. That's why Bible said, when in, in the, I think in the two, chapter two, he said that they steadfastly followed the apostles' word doctrine. Steadfastly continued. And that's what John is reminding them of. Look at the ten. If anyone comes to your meeting and does not teach the truth about Christ, Don't invite that person into your home or give any kind of encouragement. In other verses, he says, even 
Don't walk with him. Don't greet him. And if you do that, you partake of his sin. When it comes to the issue of doctrine, it is not a matter of joke. And if, if you are choosing your church, your local church, you must be very cautious of the church you choose because it is very important. I tell people that, listen, if you are going to give birth as a pregnant woman, you are sure of the, of the midwife you are going to because it, it would determine what kind of a baby you are going to give birth to. You can give birth to a deformed baby for life because of that. So when we say the teachings of Christ, what is the teachings of Christ? Teaching on who Christ is, number one. Teachings on what Christ did. Teachings on who the believer is in Christ. And then teachings on the inheritance of the believer in Christ. Let me repeat them. Number one. Teachings on who Christ is. Teachings on what Christ did. Number two. Teachings on who the believer is in Christ. And then teachings on the inheritance of the believer in Christ. Praise God. How do you test the doctrines for Christ? The doctrine must inspire to win lost souls. The doctrine of Christ inspires to win lost souls. We don't have what we call, it's like a containment gospel. We, we just stay in our corner. We come to church, go home, and we are contained with ourselves. The instruction he, he gave is that go and make disciples of all the nations. So the gospel we are to preach is the gospel of expansion, the gospel of multiplication. The second test is that the doctrine must inspire love for the church or believers. Just like what I'm teaching. It must inspire love for the church or believers. And last but not the least, the doctrine must speak highly of the supernatural. Supernatural. If you look at Acts, from Acts 1 to Acts 28, you will continuously see the supernatural. The, the disciples, the apostles were not working with human wisdom. No. Hey, in deciding... As to who should open church and who should not open church, when the government has given the directive that we shall open church, I have not even heard anyone saying that the Lord leads me to. That we are led by the Spirit not to open, or we are led to open. Everybody is speaking with the human mind and the carnal mind. Amazing. What kind of a church are we building now? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So, so some are, are hailing themselves because they are too sensible. 
in their own mind. So they are not opening because for them they are sensible. That that's it. Some also are opening and they are saying, Oh, we are opening because we are highly spiritual. But you know that sometimes the Holy Spirit deals with us differently. Depending on what the situation is. If I were you, I would be asking, what do you want us to do, Lord? Look at 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So you see, we are to follow the pattern. In other words, what we have been taught according to what the apostles' doctrines is, which came from Christ, we are to teach others. Not just anyone, people who have grown and are actually matured, they can also now teach others. So we must commit to them the same gospel, the same pattern, so that they would teach precept upon precept. First Timothy three fourteen to fifteen. I am writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon. So that if I don't come for a while, you will know what kind of men, what kind of men you should choose as officers for the church of the living God. I like the brand. Look at the name. The church of the living God. So number one, you must know which kind of men to choose. And you realize that he said he gave us pastors who are teachers, evangelists, apostles, prophets. And what are they to do? Equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so as we equip the saints for the work of ministry, he said we must grow therein into the unity of the faith and mature, okay, in Christ Jesus and becoming like Christ. And, and he says that, therefore, you must observe as a pastor, you must observe as an apostle, you must observe as an evangelist or a prophet, and make sure that you are choosing men who have become mature, and are complete, and understand, have become unified in the faith of understanding the knowledge of Jesus, the Son, so that they would teach exactly what has to be taught. So they will not teach fables and psychology and things that doesn't have, have no place in church. No, they will teach what the truth is. Look at what he says. He says, which contains the, and holds high the truth of God. The church of the living God, which contains and holds high the truth of God. Here he's talking about doctrine. The doctrine of God, which is the doctrine of Christ. The church of the living God contains and holds high. Holds high. 
the doctrine of God. Acts 20. 20. This is Apostle Paul. We can add the 32. Acts 20, 20 and then Acts 20, 32. How I kept back nothing that was helpful. May that be the integrity of every pastor, of every minister of the gospel. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house. If this is what he has called us to do, Apostle Paul is actually speaking and saying that, listen to me guys, this is what I did. Just as Christ did not hold back, just as the apostles did not hold back, so I also, whatever was revealed to me, Regarding the word, the doctrines of Christ, I did not hold back anything. Sometimes, teaching some of the things are difficult. Because you yourself, you know that you have not been able to hold it too well. But the point is, if that is what he called you to do, you submit as well to the word. And so, you must go ahead and teach it. And become one with the word. I hold back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it publicly. And taught you from home or from house to house. He was talking about from house to house because most of the churches then were in houses. Acts 20.32 So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. You know, Apostle Paul always talks about he being called as a messenger of the grace gospel. And so he actually made it clear that they should actually stay with the grace of our Lord, the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. They should stay with this. He said, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. The word of his grace is not just the whole word of God. He's talking about the word of grace. That is, when Christ resurrected, what Christ came to do, what Christ made the believer, what Christ left for the believer. He said, make sure you stay there. If you go to any church and they are not preaching the word of his grace, you are not in church. I don't know what meeting to call that one. Look at what he says. He says, now, brethren, I commend you to God, to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. 
The word edify is repeating itself here. To build you, to edify you, to build you up. So it is, listen, no other word can build you up. You cannot exercise your spirit by any other word. And something killed the lion. And then what happened? <laughs> Listen to me very carefully. If it is connected, if you know where something places in the prophecy of Christ to come, and you place it there, then it becomes the word of His grace. Because it speaks to why something was in the act. All of the heroics that were men- heroes, sorry, that were mentioned in Hebrews 11 acted in one dispensation or another pointing us to Jesus and the finished work of the cross. And so, you must be able to carry whatever event happened and bring it into perspective. Into the finished work of the cross. It is called the word of his grace. He said, it will build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Praise God. An inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Do you know that you are holy? Yes, you are holy. You didn't do anything. You just believed. And by believing, you have been made holy. And so you are part of the sanctified. And therefore, he says, as you stay with the word of his grace, you will be built up. And every inheritance will be opened up to you. Will be revealed. And you'll be able to take what belongs to you in this kingdom. In this kingdom. In this kingdom. I don't know how much time I'm left with. Now, when we meet in church, we are to obey authority. And that's why he gave us the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, and pastors who are teachers. And so, they are to train us And every student, every apprentice, what helps your training and makes you become a mature person in your field of endeavor and in that discipline is because you were trained well and you submitted yourself. And so, one of the ways in which we are able to exercise our spirit To live the excellent life for which God has called us to do is that in the fellowship of the brethren, we obey authority. 1 Thessalonians 5.12 1 Thessalonians 5.12 Brothers and sisters, we ask you to show your appreciation for those leaders who work among you. Who work among you Actually, actually speaks to physical presence, not online church. So, who work among you? He's talking about the physical church, the physical appearance, and instruct you. 
So they work among you and they instruct you. Okay, so he says, appreciate them. See their value. Anything that appreciates is something that is of worth. Something that is of value. See their value. See their worth. And take their instructions. First Peter 5.1 The elders who are among you I exhort. I who am a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ. So Peter here is talking. When you see elders most of the time in the epistle they are referring to pastors. And that's why he says that I am also a fellow elder. It was Peter who was writing. He says, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. And also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. It's important that you understand. Peter is saying they have been witnesses to the suffering of Christ. And and, and they are also a fellow elder. In other words, they are pastors. In other words, whatever they tell you to do, you must yield yourself to do and make sure you obey with joy. Hebrews 13, Hebrews 13, 79. Remember those who rule over you. Who have spoken the word of God to you. Whose faith follow. Whose faith follow. Whose faith follow. Considering the outcome of their conduct. What is the conduct? The conduct of faith in Christ. So you follow their conduct of faith in what? Christ. Considering the outcome of that conduct of faith. So as you see that they are walking in the pistis of Christ. The faithfulness of Christ. And they are depending on Christ's faithfulness. Also do same. Depend on Christ's faithfulness. Trust in Christ's faithfulness. Don't add your own. I hear certain messages that say, believe in yourself. How can you believe in yourself and also believe in Christ? Or how can you believe in Christ and believe also in yourself? It is either 100% him or and 0% you, or 100% you and 0% him. Believe, he says, make sure that you follow their faith. Their faith that is their faithfulness, depending on the faithfulness of Christ. He says, why? Because Jesus Christ is the same. Oh my God. Yesterday, today, and forever. Praise God. In other words, if they depended on him, if they trusted him, and he did not fail them, he is the same yesterday. He is the same today. He is the same forever. As you also trust him, looking at how they trusted him, he will not fail you. You will not be ashamed. You will not be derailed. That is why you look to them and you obey instructions. Because if they depended on Christ, 
in Christ who is constant. He does not change. Times will change, but he does not change. Seasons will come and go, but he stays constant. If you can trust him, he says he will not fail you. Look at how they trusted him, and he did not fail them. And if you trust him, he will not fail you. He will not fail you. He says, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. For it is good that the heart be established by grace. Not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. (laughs) Oh my word. Now, there are some of us, we listen to strange doctrines. We have ears or itchy ears for all kinds of stuff. And that is why he's telling you that when you are listening, make sure you listen to your leaders. So that there will be consistency of doctrine. Consistency of understanding. Consistency of interpretation and explanation of scripture. Listen to me very carefully. When you listen to people who don't preach the scripture. But they preach their experience. And then they use scripture to support that experience. It is not the right interpretation of the word. That is not how you explain scripture. If you want to interpret what I am saying, or something that I have said, you don't bring in your experience to interpret what I said. Let what I say stand on its own. And interpret what I said on itself because I said it let my intent be revealed not your experience so God wants his intent to be revealed so you see when you are opening up scripture make sure that you don't bring in your experience you don't bring in your lenses Let the scripture speak for itself. And that's why you must be careful who you listen to. Some of you, you listen more to quotations of posts on Facebook. More than your pastor. You listen a lot to everything else. He said, it is good that your heart be established by grace and not with food. They were actually talking about a lot of laws. So he was saying that it is not the law that establishes you. You have to do this to get this. You have to eat this or sacrifice this. You have to do that before you get that. 
Don't eat foods of idols. And if you eat them, this is what is going to happen. Don't do this every time. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. He says that is not what establishes people's heart. That kind of doctrine puts people in bondage. Let me finish it up. Hebrews 13. Verse 17. It goes straight to the point. Obey your leaders. And accept their authority. They take care of you. Because they are responsible for you. Watch this one. Obey them. So that they may do this work joyfully and not complain about you. Obey them so that they may do this work joyfully and not complain about you. Causing them to complain would not be to your advantage. It's just like a child who is always causing the father or the parents to murmur, to be in pain and to be in agony. Anytime they talk to you, you are in rebellion. Anytime they are talking, you challenge them. Anytime you are asked to do something, you don't do it. He's saying it will not be to your advantage. Don't forget that you are the apprentice. And you are learning of Christ. So you can live the life of Christ. And also to teach others. And so make sure that you submit yourself. You obey your leaders. Yield to their advice. To their counsel. And make sure that you don't make them bleed. Because of you. That anytime they are mentioning your name before the father. Anytime they are praying, they are agonizing in pain. Lord, this young man, I don't know what to do again. Lord, I'm in pain. Help me. It is not to your advantage. It's not to your advantage. Please. Don't fall for the familiar trap. You have to learn how to keep supernatural relationships for long. Such that things you saw as privileges, you now take as a matter of right. It shows you are not wise. Familiarity can make you lose the sense of sacredness in persons of much worth because they drew you close to them. But the wise cannot fall into that trap. And I know you are wise. How have you treated access? How have you treated confidential information? 
Listen to me very carefully. You fulfill God's plan for your life to the degree which you treat his human relationships in your life. Never make the sacred common. Be wise. Grace, glorious grace. At the cross, you called it finished. Thank you for listening to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, Lead Pastor, Carry Center International. We believe the word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Carry Center International, living heaven on earth. Grace.